we're starting our marriage sermon series. That's going to carry us into our Easter sermon series. Um, and we're going to spend five weeks. Everybody say five weeks. And I'm going to take some Bible couples, and we're going to talk about those couples. Their purpose, their call of God, why God called them together. Their struggle in that calling relationally with each other. And how God helped them overcome that so that they could finish so good. So each week, I'm going to have a little tidbit for the husband and the wife. It's a little bit different this year, and uh, we have called this sermon Happily Ever After. And uh, whether you're married or not, marriage is something that affects everybody on earth. Yes, Amy, you can see back there. I don't know if they have it up front, but you can. Amy Carpenter has put together such a great graphic for us. So you'll see that on social media. Come on, give her a hand. And it's so good. Um, she's working on these so powerful. Um, and, and I love it. I appreciate her heart towards it. Now, you're going to need to, I'm not going to apologize, but I am going to, uh, I am going to prepare you. Amen. Um, you're going to need to buckle your seatbelt. I feel like one of those stewardesses on the plane. I'm going to ask you to buckle your seatbelt round your elbows. Remember, this is a marriage sermon series. This is not a spouse sermon series. And I don't care if you're married or not, if you've been married and maybe you've experienced the brokenness of, of, of that and, and you're not married because of that, or if you think about getting married, if you've been married 50 years or you've only been married two days. This is a message and a series that's going to be powerful and speak to all of us. So watch this. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Everybody say, here we go. I got to take this thing off. I got Vanna up here. Vanna White is just moving on. Man, look at this. Anyway. Matthew 19, verse 4. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning? Everybody say, from the beginning. Now, Jesus is a smart guy. He wants to make sure you don't have no wiggle room. He who created them from the beginning made them male and female. I love how scientific the Bible is. There's all kind of science in here. Male and female. From the beginning. And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, who happen to be male and female, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I'm going to just tell you right now, marriage sermon series at Firm Foundation Ministries are never politically correct, but they're always biblically correct. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. God, thank you that sometimes you offend our flesh to deal with our heart. It's not because you don't love us, it's because you do. And marriage is important to you. 
Let it be important to us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. There's this guy one time who was asked to define the game of golf. That's what he said. He said, if I were to define the game of golf, what I would say is golf is a good walk spoiled. <laughs> now, why would he say that? And I'm thinking, well, maybe he just finished a bad round. Hello, somebody. I hate this game. Or maybe he just never really tried very hard. Or maybe, although he likes golf, golf wasn't important enough to make it worthwhile to try and improve. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I don't know, I'm just guessing about his statement, but whatever it is, I'm assuming that the assessment of his sport is clearly negative. There's a growing number. I said there's a growing number of people today who feel the same way about marriage. It's increasingly negative. It's not important enough to work hard to improve it. Or maybe they're just satisfied with the recreation of it. And they like to pretend marriage. I, I, I had the elders preference my notes just so when I get emails, I'm okay. God intended that the joining of a man and a woman in marriage would bring about the greatest human happiness known to mankind. Was God's intent? It's right there in the scripture. Jesus makes the statement from the beginning. God had a plan. From the beginning, God had an idea. From the beginning, God understood how this would work. Now, to any thinking person, I'm not a highly educated man. Uh, I really, I, I never confess to be. But to any thinking person, it's, it's, It's the golfer that's bad, not the game. In the same way, the institution of marriage isn't at fault for bad marriages any more than golf is at fault for bad golfers. Any golfer who wholly commits himself to the game makes every effort to become the best golfer he can be. And when a husband and wife are wholly committed to marriage, they will make every sacrifice to do whatever is necessary to keep their relationship healthy, growing, and fulfilling. Sometimes they go to the driving range. Sometimes you got to go to the putting green. And the truth of the matter is, the way you drive the ball and hit the ball usually is the outcome of how much time you spent on the driving range. Usually the way you put the ball on the green is the outcome of how much time you spend putting on the green. My basketball coach used to have something on our gym floor uh, wall, and it was opposite. We have this statement that says, practice makes perfect. 
His statement was, perfect makes practice. You are never perfect, therefore, you need practice. We'd lose a game, we'd come back in, and we'd go back to the basics. We would dribble the ball for an hour. We would pass the ball for an hour. We would shoot a million and one free throws. And then we would run until we puke. Not knowing the plays was not the outcome of not winning the game. Not hitting our free throws when we were tired was the outcome. Not passing the ball enough. Not dribbling, not handling the ball. Those are basics. Perfect makes practice. And I, I don't know how many people that I've talked to, how many people who, who are, are married, want to be married, um, uh, have been married, that, that want a good marriage, but don't want to do what it takes to become the best spouse they can be possible. So this next five weeks, for the people who want to work on your marriage, this is for you. For the people who want to prepare for marriage, this is for you. God's design for marriage has always been one man, one woman, together for the rest of their life, happily ever after. It's right there. It's right there. It's in the first book of the Old Testament... And it's in the first book of the New Testament. It's right there. We don't have to be confused about marriage. We can admit that because we're broken people and Jesus came to redeem us, that marriage can be difficult. If you don't think so, just imagine being married to you. Stop imagining being married to your spouse. Just being married to you. For Donnie, did you elbow your wife? Stop that. How many years, Donnie, you and Sue been married? Just 40, just 44. Just, just 44. Do we have couples who been married longer than 44 in the house? Oh my gosh. Look at it. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Come on, stand up. These are all people that have been married over 40 years. And they managed. Come on, give them another hand. They managed. <laughs> wow. A strong marriage relationship is a perpetual fountain of joy. A, a perpetual fountain of blessing. Both to the couple and to everyone who knows them. Yes, and to everyone who knows them. Your marriage does not just affect you and your spouse. It affects the world around you. There's not a person on planet Earth that's not affected by marriage. It affects us all. And that's why there's such controversy, not only in the world, but even in the church about it. Genesis chapter 3. Let's go to the OG. Or I should say the OC, the original couple. Adam and Eve, they're the OG. Come on now. And in chapter 3, verse 1, 
Watch what's happening here very briefly. I don't have time to read the whole Bible to you. So you just got to gotta keep up with me. Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say? There was no introduction. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said... But God said, everybody say, God said. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. Did God say that? Thank you. He did not say you can't touch it. He said you can't eat it. Why did she add to it? Did God say? Why did she add to it? I'm just reading my Bible. <laughs> you better be careful there, <laughs> Mr. Iker, because that's what women do. They just expand. They're like the RSV of the Bible. <laughs> you know, like. How long have you been married, Mr. Eckert? He's all right. He's allowed. He's all right. She'll deal with you today. Watch this. She said, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to the husband. Listen to what your Bible says. Who was with her? Poor theology will convince you that Adam was off somewhere else. And all you have to do is read the book. He was right there. How do I know that? For the Bible tells me so. I just read it. As a reader of the Bible, I mean, I just, have you ever wondered... If Eve was startled by the voice of the serpent. Speaking to her from a tree. Now she's not unfamiliar with the critters in the garden. She's married to a man who probably wants to brag about his work. See that big old critter over there with that big leathery skin and big horn coming out of his nose? Yeah, rhinoceros. Be impressed. See the other one, it looks a lot like him, but his nose is a little bit more flat, but stays in the water a lot. Yeah, hippopotamus. That was me. She's not unfamiliar with the critters in the garden. None of them have ever been recorded as speaking. As a matter of fact, God says to Adam, he's got nothing to relate with at all. 
that's not only functionally, but even to communicate other than God, it's not good. So I'll make him a helpmeet, not a helpmate. Read your Bible. Gentlemen, your wife is not a brood cow. The Bible never says she's a helpmate. She's a helpmeet. Ooh. Ladies, you're going to want to own that in a little bit. I mean, there's no introduction. There's no, hey, Eve, my name is. But she's not startled because she talks to him. And all of a sudden in this conversation, as she talks to this snake, as she talks to this critter, suddenly God's limitations seem a bit harsh and and they don't make sense anymore. And let me just tell you something, married people or non-married people, any time we question God's boundaries, especially in or about marriage, death is coming. What's going on here? Let me just tell you. Again, this is my perspective. So, imagine life in the garden. It's perfect. Eden is perfect. I mean, everything is great. I mean, Adam is the caretaker of the garden. I don't know what he's got to do. He ain't picking up no pop cans. Nothing grows out of order. Everything stays where it belongs. It's perfect. I, it's his job. To, he's the caretaker of the garden. And, and, and he's got to name all the critters. He's got basically two things to do. Caretaker of the garden. I, don't, I do know what he's got to do and I'm just setting you up. But, and then he's, he's got to name everything. And God specifically told him, whatever you name it, Adam, that's what it's going to be called. I I've created it. Man, just be. It's yours. Whatever you call it. That's what it's going to be called. I'm giving you the... Because you're the caretaker of my creation. You're going to extend who I am into all creation. So Adam, whatever you name it, that's what it will be called. This is your job. Now as caretaker of the garden, maybe he doesn't have to pick up pop cans or cigarette butts. But he should be guarding that one tree that God said cannot be eaten from. Shouldn't have been a snake up there to start with. What you doing up there? You don't belong up there. God put me in charge around here. Get down from... I'm just moving through some things. But I need you to understand, I don't think there's any way in our mind to describe perfection. It's paradise. But I need you to embrace this thought. Even in paradise, under the best circumstances, disaster happened. And as a result, forever, we experience the pain of that in our lives and in our marriages. Even in, see, you think that you're the only one. You think if your situation was better, your marriage would be better. You think if your circumstances were better, you wouldn't have issues to deal with. Even in paradise. The first couple struggled. Come on, somebody. Genesis chapter 2, verse... uh, Let's just look at 16 and 17 there real quick. 
I love this. And the Lord God commanded the man. Everybody say the man. Uh, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God has given Adam a, 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 a command. But I need you to understand something. He gave Adam these instructions before he created Eve. He, he, he gave Adam these instructions before he created Eve, and it could not be more clear. God didn't stutter. He didn't muddy the waters. There was no way to misunderstand this. He, and he even lays out the consequences of crossing the borders. You will die. Adam has unlimited freedom except one. No problem, right? Come on, church. Verse 18. Then the Lord said... It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. Now, now, out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, brought to them, to the man, to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Come on, church. That was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the heavens, every beast. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on a man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed it up in the, in the place of the flesh. And, and from that rib, he God had taken out from the man. He made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, Whoo, man. <laughs> Lord have mercy. That was her name. You ever, you ever, you ever watch those movies where you, know, you find a genie lamp and you rub it? You know, you got to be careful about your wishes because, boom, that's what you get. You don't get, you don't get to take it back. <laughs> God pushes Eve out from behind the bush and says, hey, Adam, this is how much I love you. Woo, man. There she is. I don't, anyway. Like, no husband in this room has ever done that. So... And don't get on to me. Just read Song of Solomon. I think the timeline's important. Adam received instruction from God when he had no wife. Then God created Eve from Adam. First time God's ever done that. She's uniquely created in all the cosmos. See, we don't, we don't even understand how unique a woman is in all of creation. Every other creature is created from dust. She's the only one created this way. Unique on planet earth is the woman. Unique in all of created cosmos is the woman. Unbelievable. All the other females weren't created from the males. Only her. Only her. We don't even know, gentlemen, the royalty we sit in the midst of sometimes. I pay attention to the fact that nowhere did God repeat his instruction to Adam. Whatever Eve would know would have to come from her husband. Whatever Eve would know would have to come from her husband. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast. 
I need you to grab a hold of this conversation in Genesis chapter 3 before you start beating up Eve. Eve would have no experience with evil or liars. None. She would have no experience with evil. Her husband wasn't evil. God himself wasn't evil. Or a liar. No one's ever lied to her before. She is as innocent as it, is, as it can be in this day. She would have no experience, yet she finds herself. She's got no experience with evil or liars, yet she finds herself face to face with both. And let me just say this to us as married people. Temptation always comes in disguise. Oh, Married people, this is why the order of God is important. Unmarried people, this is why the order of God is important. Temptation always comes in disguise. God's order brings life. Satan's lies bring death and chaos. And in verse 4 and 5, it's incredible when we see this conversation beginning to happen. Satan's strategy is brilliant and deadly. All it is, it's not very complicated. Here it is. Cast doubt on God's word. Cast doubt on God's goodness. He hasn't changed his tactics. Why does the church suffer? Why do we suffer as married people, as unmarried people? Why do we suffer relationally in the context of what God is trying to do with us as man and woman for his purpose on planet earth? Why? Because Satan has come and he has brilliantly sown doubt on the word of God and doubt on the goodness of God. Because just like the tree, God has said you can't partake In my order, you can. Outside of it, you cannot. Think about the modern-day view of marriage. No wonder we struggle. Even Christians, even Christians, God's people have abandoned God's instructions and accepted what the world says is okay. Young people, young people dating, where do you ever see that in the scripture? Where? It's not in there. You know what dating is, young people? It's divorce practice. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. Courting is biblical. Where parents and spiritual accountability are involved. In the Bible instead what we see is parents and spiritual accountability saying, you're going to marry that guy and you're going to marry that girl. People get on to me all the time because I told Breno, I ain't got time for you to mess around with them and females. Distraction. How many times, Breno, did I call and say, So, how's distraction? Uh, say it again loud. A lot. A lot. <laughs> it's not what we agreed on. Who is this girl? Did she ride in on a camel? 
Because if she didn't, I, I don't think it's Bible. I swear what Rebecca did. Hello, somebody. When I see some camels, I might be all right. Where do you ever see the practice of death? And, 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 and adults encouraging it. They got no idea how to take care of the dog. And you fuss at them every day about the dog. And you're going to encourage them into a relationship with another human being? Don't ask Pastor Don to come sit with your kids when you're encouraging them to do something that isn't Bible. You need to repent and be a parent. Oh. They, they reviewed it. I promise you they did. Sex outside of marriage? Did God really say? Did, did God really say no sex outside of marriage? Did God really say that? Living together before marriage? Did God really say that we couldn't do that? After you get married to be faithful to one spouse for the rest of your life? Did God really say? <laughs> I'm going to tighten up for this next one. <laughs> Wives, submit and respect your husband. Did God really say... Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Did God really say? Yes, he did. You mistreat that woman. You know what else the Bible says, men? God won't hear your prayers. Did God really say? Here's what happens to us as people. Let's just be honest this morning because that sermon should challenge us to change. They should be a springboard to life and life more abundant. They should be a challenge in our lives to move us in the direction that God wants us to be. They should not be entertaining. They should not be sugar-coated. They should actually draw us into what God did really say so that we can receive it in such a way that we can believe it and then our life change because of what we actually believe. That's what sermons should do. But Here's what happens to us. Even as believers, we willfully violate God's word and then we wonder why he isn't blessing us. We, we live in willful sin and then expect God's leaders to fix what God himself cannot touch. And then we get mad at God's leaders in our life when they point it out. I have been under vicious assault by one young lady because I pointed something out to her. In 
the first time in 25 years of marriage counseling, she, she was so unruly. She was so unruly. She wouldn't listen to advice. Even professional counselors that we sent her to said, she won't listen to us. We're not meeting with her anymore. We don't even want her money. And her marriage is destroyed. And I'm like, I can't, I can't continue to meet with you, talk to you, because you won't listen. The first time in 25 years, I actually pulled a submit card. Never done that. Said, you're unruly, and I guarantee you that if you would submit to your husband, your life will get better. Emails, attack. It's unbelievable. Our church <laughs> is now not a God-fearing church. It doesn't matter that I got 25 years. This eldership team's got over 20 years of ministry into marriages. Stand up in this place if your marriage has been directly affected and blessed by the leadership of this church. I said, stand up. Give God praise. <laughs> Willful sin. I am releasing the eldership team in this church of meeting with people who will not stop willfully sinning. Thank you. We don't have time for that. If you want to change... Don't get mad at us when we say you're living like God can't bless you. Did God really say? Everybody say, yes, he did. Yes, yes he did. Yes, he did. I don't have a trick Bible. It's right there. You just need to buckle your seatbelt up. Let me give you the consequences here because I got to move on. We try to do marriage outside of God's instructions. There is an enemy waiting for us to destroy us. Somebody say amen. Marital failure. Marital failure has consequences. I need you to look at it and just walk with me. Shame comes. Verse 7. They tried to cover it up. We do it too. Separation comes. They hide from God. We do it too. Verses 12 and 13. Strife comes. They blame someone else for their own actions. Do not blame me for the problems you had before you came to talk to me. I am not your problem. And the moment you do, I will not meet with you again. Ask my wife. I have kicked people out of my office. Get out. Really? Yes. I ain't been married to your husband. I ain't been married to your wife. I'm not your problem. As a matter of fact, in your life, all your problems have one common denominator. <laughs> you mean I've been here all along? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sacrilege happens. Adam actually blamed God. We do it. Mm. Sacrifice. Something else pays the price for our actions. Others are always suffering when our marriages are struggling. And suffering, death comes, and it comes to us. There's so much about Adam and Eve that we'll never be able to relate to. I get it. 
I'm a good Bible student in that way. I know that there's no other couple that was created out of dust and bone. I, I get that. I, I know there's no other couple who had a chance to live in a perfect world. Like, I get that too. Okay, and I know that, that other couples ha have never had this chance to actually walk physically and talk physically with God. Like, literally, I get that. But all couples can identify with Adam and Eve in their failure. Not only to each other, but to God. Bad choices we've made in our marriage, you know what they do? They have lasting consequences on our marriage. Somebody say amen. Sure they do. Something we did or didn't do that changed the course of life forever has consequences in our marriage. Somebody say amen. Now, briefly, let me move into a couple of areas here, and I want to bless you as husband and wife. I want to give you something to walk away on that, that I think encourages you. Ladies first. Ladies first. Number one, I need you to remember your purpose. Helper. Everybody say helper. Help what? He didn't name all the critters. By the time I got around here, he didn't need my advice. I probably would not call that a giraffe. He, he had already named the giraffe. I, I, I probably wouldn't put that bush there. I would put it six inches over here. I was messing with Jim Mooney one day, and I, and I said, Hey, Jim, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Wherever I put something, my wife's going to move it six inches. Was, yeah, it's true. And Jim's like, that's not true. Oh, it's absolutely true. I've been married to her for a long time. Watch what happens. You want to test him? He was, we were at the covered bridge days up there. At the, and I said, watch this. She can't help herself. I actually think it's cute. And sometimes I do it just for entertainment. I go around the house and I make sure she sees me put something somewhere. And then I walk over here. And then I step back for an hour and watch her walk in circles. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> on the table there I said, I said watch this Jim I'm going to put this right here she's right over there she had her back to me I don't she had eyes in her head or what and, and just a few minutes my wife came over and she did this you should have seen Jim Mooney's face he was like oh. would cause an argument with most of you. Stop! My aching back. By the way, I moved your leather one this morning. <laughs> I won't find it. It'll be gone. I'll look for it for months. <laughs> you know what? I, I admit, uh, guys, we're the only ones who can be on a mountain look a, while, uh, a mile away and see an elk. But we can't see something too. I, I get it, right? I'm, I'm, right? Like I, I get it. Oh Lord, help me! I lost this thing, Jesus. Help her! Help her! Help her! 
Helper, Jesus, helper. Okay, help. No, help. Helper, one word, not two. Okay. What's he got to have help with? <laughs> Adam is created to express God into creation. Adam is a container of God. And when God says to Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply, what God is saying is express me in all of my creation. God's not like a painter who paints a painting and then hangs it on the wall. God, he created something and then he wants to live in the midst of it. And so Adam now is the expresser of God into the creation. And as a container of God, as God, Adam continues to multiply, the expression of God multiplies from that container. That's why when sin happened, God had to cut it off because Adam doesn't stop being a container. But now as he expresses, he expresses brokenness into the world. That's why Jesus has to come and be the second Adam. The Bible college is coming in the fall. Ladies, helper, help what? your husband express God into all creation to fulfill his call on his life. Let me tell you something, ladies, and you can embrace this with all the glory you want. Your husband cannot multiply the expression of God into the world without you. You are to bring glory to God as a woman who knows Christ and loves her husband. Titus chapter 2. Number two, the second thing you can do is always ask. Always ask. Always ask. The Bible teaches that Christ is the head of every man and the husband is the head of the wife. Your husband is responsible to God for you. And you're, you're, like, you're like, oh, give me that seatbelt, Don. <laughs> He's responsible for both of us to God. Help me, Jesus! I get it. Don't be an Eve. Find out what your husband thinks if you're unsure. The goal is to accomplish the purpose of God together. All Eve would have had to do is turn around and ask Adam. Is he telling me the truth? Because Adam wasn't somewhere else. He was right there. Hey! That's not what you told me! Always ask. Always ask, ladies. What that does is even if you don't trust your husband's advice, even if he's never been involved, even if you feel like you're the one who's got to carry the load, what you're doing in that moment is calling him up to his responsibility. What you're doing in that moment is saying, what did God speak to you? Ooh. Ooh. Can you tell me again what God told you? Always ask. So you're calling him to hear from God. You're calling him to repeat what he's heard from God. You always ask. Number two, know your enemy and know how to fight back. Or number three, know your enemy and know how to fight back. See, temptation is a count on it everyday occurrence. Temptation is a count on it everyday occurrence. Temptation is a count on it everyday occurrence. That's a, I mean, a rap song's got to come from that somewhere, bud. I don't know. Ladies. 
Prepare yourself for it through the Word of God. If Eve had God's Word fixed in her heart, imagine how different the outcome could have come. Number four, forgive. They both had some forgiving to do. I get it. And God provided an example for them. Ladies, if your husband fails, if and when your husband fails, forgive him. There's no moving forward without pardons. That's Ephesians chapter 4. The, the best place to practice forgiveness is in your marriage. You want to tell you why I believe the best place to practice forgiveness is in your marriage? Because you're going to have plenty of opportunity to do it. You're never going to lack practice opportunities. And number five, go on. Ladies, go on. As bad as the failure was, this is my favorite part. They went on. Ladies, they went on. Think about this. God put them outside the garden, but they still had each other. Come on, somebody. They took their first steps into an unknown, broken world together. Together. They entered a world filled with hardship. Yes, yes. The world they were about to walk into right outside the garden. God said, Adam, even the dirt's going to hate you. Eve, have all them babies? It's going to hurt. Ladies, y'all can take that up with Eve when you get there. (laughs) Can you imagine childbirth without pain? Come on, ladies. That was the original way. It was God's intent. But because of the fall, because of that, God said, no, you're going to enter into a world of hardship. And, And also, ladies, the Bible says you'll have need of your husband. It's right there. These are the things that happen. These are the things that are a struggle. They suffer the consequences of their sin. But watch this. They went on together. They went on together. Let me tell you something. Whatever's happened in your marriage, it doesn't have to break you completely. It doesn't have to destroy you or tear you apart. It doesn't have to do that. It does not have to. You can have the marriage you want with the person you are married to regardless of what has happened. Yes. You just can't be married the same as you were. Got to be married different. They went on together. Together. I got to move on. Watch this. Husbands, all the ladies are like, that was it? Uh, I'm building on these over the next few weeks. So watch this. Gentlemen, I need you to remember your purpose. God entrusted all of creation to Adam's care. Not only because, uh, um, uh, not only... Uh, because uh, God had created it and wanted to express in there, but he created something very unique and gave it to Adam as a sign. This is how much I love you. Her name is Eve. Now, we didn't know her name was Eve. She was just the woman. Even God called her the woman. Why? Because Adam hadn't named her. Remember when God is preaching the gospel to Satan and Genesis? The woman, her seed, God did not call her Eve. Because Adam had not named her. 
And plus, she's unique in all the universe. She's the woman. All of creation knows who she is. Can you imagine seven, eight hundred years down the road, Adam and Eve wind up in a village that they've never been to before, and they start walking through, and people in that village had never seen Eve before? There she is. She's the mother of us all. That's her. That's her. Does she have a belly button? I don't know. (laughs) You think she'll let us see? You think she'll let us look? Would that be rude to ask a question? Can you hear these ladies whispering in the corner? What the, is that rude? Here she comes. Can you imagine the awe of Eve? 700 years after, and someone had not ever, and first time, see? There she is. Gentlemen, you are like Adam to be a leader entrusted by God to care for the most unique thing in all the cosmos. Spiritual leadership has been the husband's mandate from the time of creation. And so God gave Adam commands and his job was to pass that down to Eve and to make sure she understood what God had expressed to him so that she could help him do what God had expressed him to do. It was his job to do that. Whatever happened, it was Adam's responsibility. Today, men in the world that you and I live in, we have abdicated our responsibility. And I just need you to understand, every man who's listening, you do not have to be a theologian to lead your family spiritually. All you need to do is lead them to Jesus. He will take care of the rest. Remember your purpose. The next part here is be available. Adam was there. It's in the book. It's not complicated. But he chose not to get involved. Gentlemen. He was there. Watching. What? I love everybody now and everybody go to heaven. Some people may be quicker than those. But it's... You disrespect my wife, and I'll get Pentecostal. Don't care about your feelings. She's not yours. She's mine. And if I don't talk to her that way, you ain't about. I'm going to get involved. I wager. Most marriages and family problems have their root in an uninvolved man. Come on. Not all. Most. I want to be so involved that when the enemy comes to tempt my wife about anything, the first thing she's going to say is, Don ain't going to lie that. Uh uh-uh negative 
Not because I'm some ogre or I'm controlling, but because relationally I have led in such a way she trusts me more than she trusts anybody on this planet. When the enemy comes to sow a line, uh uh-uh, no. Forget about what I think about it. I know what he thinks about it. One of my kids, one of my kids was going through some things and, and did something and, and they were talking to their mom about it and, and, and they came to their mom and said, I need, I need you to tell dad about this. And she was like, no, uh, no way. You gonna talk to dad about that. Why mom? Because I know how he thinks about it and I ain't got nothing to do with it. I want her to know me so well, she already knows what I'm going to say. I want to be that involved. Now, I admit at times, I, I'm, I'm, you know, at times, she has to say, hey, I need you to focus. I need you to it's not, lay off the pre-workout here, Hammy the squirrel, and let's focus on this thing. This is mango. It's good. Most men don't know what it means to be proactive. You think to be proactive is to be conceited or haughty or whatever. I need you to be proactive, gentlemen. Number three. Most men in this room are married to a woman who is so competent that you are more than willing to let her carry the burdens you should be carrying. Let me tell you something. I know something about the ladies in this church. Most of them, most, not the majority of them, are so competent and so well-equipped and ready and willing to move. They're so brave and they're so strong. And because of that, we let them carry the burdens we should be carrying. Face the facts, Jack. Your wife already has enough to do Than to take care of what you should be doing too. Oh, y'all not helping me. That's as pastoral as I can get to you, gentlemen. Your job is to protect her so she can do her primary role, which is to help you. Not to do it for you. She's your wife, not your assistant. Be proactive. Be proactive. Robert Rushmore, him and I just got this thing, right? We were just talking about how we just forget. We get, we're, we're okay about taking the garbage out. We are. We're okay at it. I don't always remember it, but we're okay at it. But man, I always forget to put the bag back, the empty bag back in there. I mean, like, I just get distracted on the way in or something. Like, the garbage bags are right there by the door as I come back in the house. Just pick one up and put it right in the bag there. And I just forget it. And, and Robert's like, I do that too. And then we get a lecture. Because my wife's hands are full of stuff and she's trying to put it in the garbage and then there's no bag in there. And then she's like, Dad! <laughs> So we got this habit, him and I. We've been sending each other pictures every time we remember to put the garbage bag back in. <laughs> I got it today. A thousand points for me. <laughs> it's hilarious. 
Every once in a while, I'll, get, I'll see on my phone uh, a text. <laughs> and I don't have to open it. I'm like, my wife's like, oh, is he texting you? I was like, yeah, it's going to be a picture of the garbage bag. She, my wife would say, oh, he remembered, did he? He remembered. Where's your picture? Dang it. Get involved. Be proactive. Gentlemen, come on. Be an encourager. Men, can you imagine how Eve must have felt after the bottom dropped out of her protected life? For just a minute, men. Let me just bring you to a moment. Let me bring you to this moment. She did not set out willfully to disobey God. The Bible clearly teaches us she was deceived. Oh, some malice in her heart. The Bible clearly teaches us she was deceived. And because she was deceived, think about what happened. Her home was destroyed. Because she was deceived, her relationship with God itself was altered. Because she was deceived, her relationship with her husband was changed also. She had to feel devastated. Gentlemen, have you ever been in the room when your wife has just been utterly devastated? I have. Unfortunately, I've been the cause of that a time or two. And I can remember embracing my wife when she was utterly devastated and saying to myself, regardless of how she got here, I promise she will never be here again. Spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, this is my job. And God forgive me if I was the cause of this. If I was harsh, if I didn't pay attention, if I made a boneheaded decision, this will never happen again. Gentlemen, this is where you and I, like Adam, get to be a hero. This is where you and I, like Adam, get to be the rescuer. I need you to pause for a minute. I need you to brace yourself. Ladies, hold your elbows, please. Adam, who was in charge of naming everything, did not name Eve until, if I say until, after the fall. He didn't name her until after the fall. Let that sink in for a minute, gentlemen. What was his two jobs? The tree and naming every creature. And what did God say to Adam? Whatever you name that creature, that is what it will be called. Gentlemen, Raise your hand as bold as you can if you've ever failed your wife. Watch this. Watch this. Even after failure, 
Adam is still walking in his purpose. He's still walking in his calling. And he looks at the woman after the fall whose life has just been devastated. The woman who has just been given a death sentence by God. And he says to her, your name. Standing outside the garden. We can't go back in there anymore. We only get to go forward together into this brokenness. We can't go back to perfection anymore. We both just received a death sentence. But your name, your name is going to be Eve. On the cusp of going into a new world. On the cusp, the cusp of failure and epic curse by God. Death is entered in because of what you did, Adam. What you allowed to happen in the garden. Here's what your wife has been devastated. And Adam says, I still got a call. I still got a purpose. God didn't take that from me. God still left me here. He still called me to do what he's called me to do. Even if I failed, your name, your name, even in the midst of a death sentence, is Eve. Because you know what Eve means in the Hebrew? Y'all not ready. Y'all not ready. It means life or life producer. It means life. Adam was his wife's hero. I know you just got a death sentence but I declare because of what God called me to do and he said whatever I name it it shall be and that shall how it act and live. You are Eve. You no longer the woman. You are Eve. You are life giver. You are life producer. Somebody somebody in this room a male in this room needs to understand that in the midst of failure, in the midst of devastation, in the midst of brokenness God has still called you to be the man. He still called you to lead. He still called you to look at your wife and say, together, we can fix this. Your name is Eve. Your name is Eve. Your name, a positive statement, especially after a death sentence. And from then, that day, till this, we know her as what? The mother of us all. Oh, because of what Adam said. He could have called her Susie. He could have called her Betty. He could have called her Stephanie. It was his prerogative. God's not getting in the way of that. Whatever you call her, that's what she will be. She's Eve. She's the mother of us all. And God's going to work through my purpose. He didn't care. I may not be in the garden, but I'm still God's man. Come on, somebody. I may have failed, but I can, I can through the power of God, walk in redemption because of what God has promised me. The name Adam gave his wife wasn't one that would brand her or serve to remind her of her own failure. No, 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 gentlemen. It was a statement that exalted her into a position of honor and respect to this day. It was something that gave her a future and a hope and I guarantee you every husband you mark my words down and don't you ever forget it you treat your wife like that and she will follow you from here till Jesus comes <laughs> women already suffer from a lack of self work because of the way men have treated them their whole life abuse and neglect Treat them for selfish gain and selfish pleasure as something to be thrown away after we're done. Not in this house. 
every man, not in this house. Not in God's house. I am married to God's daughter. And why were we so quick to complain when things don't go well and show little appreciation when things do go well, which happens most of the time? Listen, men, the greatest thing that ever happened to you is that woman God gave you. Amen. Yes. Remember what Adam said? That woman you gave me. And God said, yeah. What about her? She's the greatest thing ever happened to you. As the worship team comes, I need to give you a couple of things because I know I've been long, but man, I'm, that is so good. You know, what's, a, what's an extra 10 minutes in church on a Sunday morning to save you six weeks in my office? Me and you both will get to go home and eat dinner. Three basic elements to build a structure that will last husband and wife. You've got to have a foundation, a blueprint, and tools. In Adam and Eve's case, <clears throat> we can't miss the foundation. It was love. God loved Adam and wanted to bless him. And instantly, Adam loved Eve because he recognized her, even though he'd never seen her before. I, I know that. I'm familiar with that. That's what happened. That's my bone. She's a woman because she came from. And we say it in marriage ceremonies sometimes it's important that God took a rib from Adam's side not a bone from his head so his wife would be above him or a bone from his foot that wife would be under him but right there right there beside you because she's a helper the love of God the love for God the love for each other this enabled them to face that problem-filled future together. That's why I love Amy's picture so well because all you see is the hands holding each other and the distance is blurry. You see in the distance, go back and look at it. The distance, it's blurry. It's unknown. You, you just look at it when you get a chance. It's on social media. We, we, got, we got it. There it is. It's just because it's unknown. But together, look at it. Together. The OG has spoke to us. After the fall, God gave him the tools to live happily ever after. Forgiveness and hope. There they are. They have the foundation, which is love. Come on. They have the blueprint, which is God's instruction. And they have the tools, which is forgiveness and hope. And as you work on building your marriage, and as together you face trials, remember these words. Each new day is another chapter and the unfolding promises that God 
is giving to us through his deliverance and his life-giving power. And marriage is an incredible opportunity to experience that. Stand with me in this place this morning. To every young people who's startled by the fact that Pastor Don says dating's not of God, let me just tell you something. You interested in that girl? You interested in that boy? They won't come to church with you? What you doing? What you doing? They don't want to meet your parents? You come, enter, you, I guarantee you, you tell every one of them. If we going to talk, you got to go talk to Pastor Don. We'll see if they stick around. Right? Boy, show up at my house two minutes before he's supposed to take off with my daughter. No, no, he better be there an hour early to wash my car. <laughs> She's mine. Doing. I don't have to like you. To love you and tell you about Jesus. My job's to see if you'll stick around. Is she worth it? I, I wanted to know. Did he think my wife was, or my, or my daughter, which might be his future wife, was worth it? Yeah, I was rude. That's my wife. In Walmart, I'd see him. Come here. <laughs> and she'd be like, Don, you're going to get us kicked out of here. Doesn't matter to me. I already got banned from Pizza Hut as is. I might as well get banned from Walmart. I don't care. Can't even pull his drawers up. I mean, it's 10 o'clock at night. He ain't brushed his hair or his teeth yet. Come on, young people. You got great leaders in your life. Talk to them about what emotionally you're going through. Don't practice divorce. Look someone in the eye that you might care for or feel something for and say, if we're going to do this, we might as well have God's blessing on it. Yes. And if that's not your interest, then I got other stuff to do. Let me tell you something, broken people. If you have experienced the brokenness of divorce, my heart goes out to you. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I wouldn't. But if you're still here, God ain't done. I don't know what that future looks like, but I know it's not void of God. I know it's not. And you can receive His redemption in all kinds of ways. Let me tell you something, people who, who are married. You can scoff at these messages if you want to. But when you show up in my office, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hand you the notes. I had one, one wife who would not, would not do my homework. This is a book we're going to read, and I'm going to do some homework. I'm not doing that. I don't read books. And I was like, you little Jezebel. <laughs> we left that meeting. My wife's like, what are you going to do? I said, she ain't got a clue. I'm going to read the book to her. And we did that, didn't we? And she said, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Pastor Don and Lisa fixed my marriage. No, we didn't. You just actually did what we asked you to do. You didn't know you did it, though. You can do it. You can press in. If you're struggling, it's okay. The OG, they struggle too. Right? Single people, there's a calling on that. It's biblical. 
Hello, somebody. And don't shortcut the process of God. Let God do what God's doing. We got a lot to talk about. Amen. Father, love you. Thank you for marriage. Today, Jesus, it's a day, God, where the world has tried to ask us a question. Did God really say? We want to be able to say, yes. Yes, he did. And my obedience brings life. I pray for married people. I pray for everyone. Help us, God, embrace the truth of these words. Help us to walk them out and receive them with joy. God, I pray for your glory and your healing power in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. It's my job. I, my, my job is to have influence without control. That's what God said. But I'm going to tell you, this afternoon we're all going to enjoy a, a, a tradition. But I, I, want, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that there's an agenda that's going to happen between second quarter and third quarter. It's political and it's pornography. Turn it off. Don't let your kids watch that. Don't let your kids watch that. Watch the game. Have fun. Right? Don't, don't, don't let the world dictate what's okay. Just because it seems to be in the middle of a ball game. I, that's just me. Right? I'm going to watch a game. But I just want to encourage you. Don't be robbed. Satan is crafty. Amen? Turn around and tell someone the OG has spoke. God bless. Ten out.